0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com.
0: All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Oranga.
2: And wellness channel, and this is Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, July 24th. This is 10th Terry here with blissful Betsy. And we've, uh, we're having, uh, some, uh, challenges, uh, having our regularly scheduled guest, Terry Rivera, on the line, but we hope that she'll be joining us soon. And Betsy, you were on last week, and by the way, Betsy is the CEO and a diet counselor at Elementals Living in Delavan, Wisconsin, elementalsliving.com. And Betsy, I want to thank you so much for I filling in. <laughs>
3: I am always happy to answer the phone for my dear friend Terry Oranga. It's wonderful to be here no matter what it fun we might be
2: talking about. Well, since we're ad-libbing, and I, I said that I really strive not to ask this question to my guests and to be more fully prepared. But Betsy, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? <laughs> You know that's very a
3: very good question, and it was a frittata. It was a lovely egg with potato and a little bit of goat cheese, fresh herbs, just lovely. But thank you for asking, though, and I and I did follow it up with a nice cup of green tea from Thailand.
2: Very, Han, very good. Now you made a really tasty. Did you call it a crepe, or you made something that um, our friend Padma showed you how to make that's good for the kids?
3: The the doll.
2: It had a a fermented kind of dough. For those of you who know the
3: benefits of fermenting. Right and and these these are so so great to make the dosas is what we're speaking of and dosas are wonderful to make i do make those a lot for breakfast and and when i was staying with Padma uh, we ate a lot of dosas basically it's a it's just a mixture of just a couple of ingredients it's just taking um urad urad flour and mixing it with rice flour or uh, you can actually just, if you have a good, like a Vitamix or a good mixer, you can actually take the lentils the, or a dal and the rice and put it in a blender and make it into a powder. But basically if you take two parts of the urad flour to the one part of the rice flour and you mix them together and then make, a, make them watery like a dough, um, let it stay out at least 12 hours, preferably I like 36 hours, I like a day and a half, and covered, but out of refrigeration, it'll start to ferment and bubble and the wonderfully air-type thing. things to let airs in and makes, it's what makes dough nice and fluffy. And then you add a little bit of salt to it at the last minute and cook it up like a pancake. And, and in India, they eat them very, very thin. They have actual dosa um, grills where you can put them down on a dosa and make it very thin. And then you can wrap some chutneys in it or some do- some something like that but the doses are a wonderful naturally gluten casing free kind of pancake thing
2: okay so it's lentil and rice flour correct uh, it's usually
3: it's the u-r-a-d flour that's the kind of lentil that you want because there's different there's so many different varieties of it so that's the best one to, to use for it
2: oh, okay. so okay that's,
3: there, that's there, fine it's always good to talk about breakfast
2: there's different varieties of lentils
3: there are many varieties of lentils, and all different sizes and shapes and colors. And when you are cooking with lentils, it's always good to have a good variety of them because they all contribute a different kind of flour, and, a flavor. And you know, it's the same that's true with rice. I mean, there's so many different varieties of rice that we have to um, combine a lot of those in there. And, and since we are here on the subject of food and needing to find Carrie Rivera. Um, <laughs> Can I answer, I'd love to talk about tea if you have some time. Yes. Yeah. Have you gotten her to call in yet or no? We're good. Okay, so this is really interesting about tea because when I went to Thailand to visit my daughter in March, I went to an organic tea plantation out in China, I mean in, uh, in Thailand in the uh, region of Chiang Rai. Chiang Rai is on the northern northern tip close to the Laos and the Myanmar borders, um, and it is a gorgeous, gorgeous region, and they have an amazing organic tea farm out there. And at this farm, they're doing things in the old, the, in the really good environmental way of organic growing. You know, a part of the reason the pollution is so tremendously difficult in Asia is because many of the farmers. Number one, they, they can't afford pesticides, which is a really good thing. That's, that's a great thing to not be able to be put in the pesticides on. But in order to control bugs, what they do is they slash and burn their crops. So when the crops um, uh, are done with the harvesting, they burn to kill off the bug area. And that's part of why I was there for two weeks and never saw a blue sky because there's so many crops that are burning and the pollution is so bad, you know, in part because of that. So this particular farm in Thailand is teaching people how to to do this in in a better way with little traps for bugs. They actually have farmers that come in and pick off, laborers that come in and pick off bugs off of tree leaves, tea leaves. And it's a really interesting place. But here's the thing that I didn't really ever know is that there are not this huge variety of teas that we think. We think that there's black tea and there's green tea and there's white tea and there are all these different varieties of teas. When in fact, the majority of teas really all all real true teas come from one of three varieties of teas. One went um, the the route. They all pretty much uh, originated in the um, in in the the Asian area, but some of them went to uh, India, some of them went um, went south, like to Malaysia, and other ones went a little bit further east. And so they traveled all around in these different varieties. But all teas, actual teas, are typically an oolong tea. It's just what they do with the tea that makes it a different kind. So, for example, a black tea is fermented, not necessarily in a great sense of fermented where you're getting probiotics, but it's basically turned black so that it can last longer and given a stronger flavor. Where a green tea is, uh, it's usually just dried immediately and then you use those leaves so there's no, there's no darkening period, but of course it doesn't last sometimes as long. And white teas, Aren't teas at all? They're actually just built from the flour, so that that's why there's no caffeine into, into those things like rooibos and herbal teas aren't technically teas. They we call them teas because that's the kind of beverage that they are, but they're not actual teas. So it's very interesting learning about this world of teas. And I am sorry if I'm rambling on. There, are you still are you still with me?
2: <laughs> wow, I I feel that my my bubble has been bursted. Uh, I I didn't know this about tea. I've been under popular misconceptions well it's
3: interesting thing about like the black tea which we think of you know that's what you get in your, limp, your lift in and your basic tea bags most of the time is that they never intended to make a black tea what happened is in, in shipping from china to london or to england Back in the day when shipping was the only method and the, and the people in England loved their tea, it would, turn, it would turn dark, it would turn black. So they kind of, when they, they would get it, they would add all kinds of cream and sugar to make it less bitter. But that just became the way that the um, people in England were used to drinking it and that just became what they knew. It was, I mean, ages later before green tea or anything that was fresh was ever introduced to
2: the country. Well, I'm glad I have a cup of coffee here instead, and Betsy, I I understand Carrie's called in, um, but I thank you for sharing this fascinating information about tea that I never knew, and maybe we can continue this over having some doses in the future. That would be
3: good, and if anybody's interested in getting this tea from Thailand directly from, I get this tea directly from the buyer, um, please go to elementalsliving.com, our store. We actually... Uh, support help support this organic farm in Thailand, which is um, an amazing place. So it's great.
2: Well, th- do you want to stay on with um, Carrie and me, or do Did you want to find wanna... Carrie? Hello, Carrie are Hello, you there? There she is. Hi. You guys have a great
3: time. I I I will go find someone else to to talk to
2: now. <laughs> All right, fun. Betsy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. All right, take care. Bye. All right, Bye. Bye. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Terry. How are you? And if I'm correct, you are at the helm. You're the du- founder and director of the Autism O2 Clinic in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Correct. Carrie also translated the DAN, you know, formerly known as Defeat Autism Now protocol into Spanish and she helps with Curando el Otismo. And we're, today we're talking about MMS. And before you tell us what it is, Carrie, give us an idea of the enthusiasm that's been generated about MMS.
4: Well, I think the enthusiasm really comes from the parents that have been using it for their children because... We're actually started, um using ATEC results, which is the Autism Treatment Evaluation Checklist, which is free and it's available in, I don't know, at 30 different languages at autism.com. And that way we're actually able to, we're actually able to measure what we're doing so that we can really see the improvements in our children instead so of saying, well, he's less stimmy, or well, he's less this, or he's more chatty. We're actually able to see the numbers drop. And, and, and an ATEC score is 0 to 10 is uh, a child who no longer has a diagnosis of autism or considered recovered and then of course as you go higher up like the 120s 130s your children has your child would have more severe autism but we watch children go from 120 to 50 you know in like 6 months or less so these are all things that get get the families who are doing it really, really excited about it because we can share these things. You know, this is a common ground that we all have that we're, we're using. So it's easy to stay excited about something that's working, and it's working not just for the, the responders. It's working for the non-responders as well as the responders. So there really are no non-responders in our group.
2: And just for those who who are new to the program or the autism journey, a non-responder can be translated as a tough cookie. Correct. um okay so so just to put this in politically correct terms how many children have coincidentally shown or not shown <laughs> very significant improvements while they just so happen to be using mms concurrently with doing other things like breathing air and taking baths and eating food how many children have got have have recovered? have excuse me Mm, no longer seem to be autistic. Well, why I like to use the
4: ATEC. That really helps us a lot. And of course it isn't, some people argue that's not diagnostic. You need to do an ADOS or different tests. But really, for, for our sake, it helps us a whole lot to see. And, of course, when children are now neurotypical, talking, having friends in school by themselves, like, and they're doing all this neurotypical thing, which would re- result in an ATEC of 0 through 10, we have 47 children who have arrived at an ATEC between 0 and 10 in the past 23 months of using MMS.
2: 47 children in 23 months. And were these all kids that just hadn't? little bit of PTT or were there significantly no, no they weren't Terry.
4: they weren't that's the exciting part about it a lot of the kids were nonverbal some of the kids obviously there were some kids that had language but they couldn't there were some some of the high function like when I got to them they had already been doing biomedical interventions for years some of them very few but some of them and they were in those teens you know they were like just not you know they still had a lot of phobias and fears or you know their conversation would still be with themselves and things like that and so we were able to push them down into the neurotypical numbers of the ATEC, and that's also really exciting because there's a lot of people that have spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and still we're missing that last piece. And then of course when you take a child who had, you know, an ATEC of 120, which I was saying is more severe, and you push that child down into, you know, you know, a 50, you know, that just that person is so much more a part of their family. And then we keep going. Obviously we don't stop there. We continue to to go to go and get better.
2: Well, it's exciting that you've helped teenagers. That this has helped teenagers, it and is. you talked about people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars prior. How how much does this cost?
4: Um, I think that there, you can get it online for between fourteen ninety five and twenty something. It's really inexpensive, and that should last you about two months. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: Okay. So it's, let's backtrack a little bit. What is MMS? What does it do, and what is an oxidizer?
4: Okay, well, you just answered that one. So, MMS is an oxidizer, it's from the family of ozone, oxygen, and hydrogen peroxide. So it will oxidize a pathogen. So it kills it. It rips it apart by oxidation. But it doesn't cause oxidative stress. So there's a couple of different things. Oxidative stress is coming from the pathogens in the body and their, and their excrement. But, uh, the MMS oxidizes pathogens. So the body never gets used to it. You know how we're used to in biomedical terminology? We're used to the antifungal parades and having to change them because the, the, the bacteria or the yeast, it starts to know that particular antifungal and so we have to change it up. In this case, MMS is so wonderful because you never have to change it up. It's just, an, it always oxidizes pathogens. It always has a positive charge, just like the body, so it repels itself from the body, and a pathogen has a negative charge, so it's going straight for that negative charge, and it only lasts 60 minutes in the body, so we don't get any buildup or any residue, and it blows itself apart when it gets to uh, pathogen. So it is always specific, and what I've noticed with my own son, who, who's been using it for 23 months, and my family in general, um, but my son, what I notice about him, he's always better. You know, it isn't like it's gotten to a point where, like, you know, you can't get any more out of it. We're still better. So that, I think, is also really exciting to actually yeah. found, to have found something that we can still continue to use, and we don't get, you know, just to the point where you can't get any more.
2: Yeah. It's like it's always a good idea to eat fruits and, you know, vegetables, as long as your body can tolerate that. It's not something that's going to run out on you. The benefits aren't going to run out on you. They don't. You're right. Yeah. So you talked about... Um, the action of MMS, and, and that absolutely makes sense because we know, you know, like if you have, um, you get a cut or something, you know, go wash it and uh, get some hydrogen peroxide, mm-hmm. wash it, let it ble- bleed, get some hydrogen peroxide, because the oxygen is good. You exactly. You know, um, these pa- there's pathogens can't live in the presence of oxygen. Is that kind of like the way this works and what right. unwanted organisms does it kill?
4: Well, it kills all pathogens. So pretty much anything is a pathogen, you know, of, uh, virus, bacteria, uh, candida. It kills all kinds of pathogens. It even works really well with parasites. It's obviously not the entire story because a parasite is a worm, so it's a whole different, has a whole different life of its own. It's now much more structured, so it doesn't actually harm us. But the nice thing about, about, uh, the chlorine dioxide molecule that we don't find in ozone or oxygen or even hydrogen peroxide is that it has a lesser, uh, Voltage, as they refer to uh, oxidizers, than a healthy cell. So it, it's a 0.95, where healthy cell is 1.28 to 1.3. So it can only damage things that are lesser than itself. Whereas ozone and oxygen, hydrogen peroxide are above the 1.28. And obviously, you can still use all of those things, but you have to really use them under a certain controlled, and I know I have a friend who's a, uh, ozone nurse, and he has to have it under a certain amount of, uh, I don't know, parts per whatever. So it's, it, it's actually, you measure it, and like you know with hyperbarics too, you can only do so many hyperbaric sessions every year, and you can only do it at a certain pressure, because we have to make sure that we don't do any damage as well. But with the MMS, it's just underneath healthy, t- healthy tissue, uh, being 0.95 and so that way it just takes care of itself it's pretty you know pretty easy
2: yeah that absolutely makes sense you know even with hydrogen peroxide if you're doing oral care you know you want to you know not overdo it and you dilute it and you know you don't want to overdo it you want to protect your your tissue it does good things and but you also want to use it in appropriate uh boundaries so mms spares healthy tissue
4: yeah, because it's a .95, its oxidation voltage is .95, and the healthy tissue is 1.28, so it stays underneath that. So you really, you you don't actually do any damage. For instance, people that have had Herxheimer's from detox, and you know you could have a Herxheimer's from uh, IV chelation or from too much antifungal or whatever, because basically all it is, it's just a whole bunch of pathogens dying at one time, the liver's not able to absorb them all, and so we have kind of like a nausea or a diarrhea or something of that sort. But that's a Herxheimer's, it's not a secondary effect so pretty much the only thing i've ever heard of is people taking too much or going too fast and those are the things that with the protocol that we're using for the baby bottle it's almost impossible it's kind of almost you know idiot proof and i don't mean to call anybody an idiot i'm saying you know it's so easy to just do things a little too too hard or too strong or too much You know, we always want our kids to recover really quickly, but at the same time, if we just go, you know, one drop more every day, the body gets used to that, and we have a nice, low, slow detox, and even parents have said to me, gosh, but, you know, I didn't have any vomiting or diarrhea, because you'll read the worst, obviously, um, on the Internet, and the reality is it's it's not necessary that you're going to have that.
2: Okay. When we get back, maybe we'll talk about the Internet a little bit. Here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with Kerry Rivera, and thank you to our sponsors, Oxy Health and Superberries. We'll be right back.
1: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Frankly Speaking, about Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Are you living your vital life, one that is showcasing you at your full potential? There are many issues that stand in the way of most people achieving their full potential. We will discuss these issues and how to overcome them each week on The Vital Life, Awakening Your Full Potential with host Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross. Living The Vital Life often requires that we trust our own intuitive voice and that we view illness or life challenges as calls to action to reconnect with the deeper urges of our spirit or soul. Tune in Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, Options, Answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry.
2: We're back with Carrie Rivera, who's at the helm of the Autism 0 Clinic in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and we're talking about MMS. And, Carrie, what do the letters MMS stand for? It,
4: it's actually a stupid uh, uh, name. It's Miracle Mineral Solution. And when Jim Humble happened upon the MMS, it was actually chlorine dioxide. It's used for... Well, water purification so he started using it when he was a minor and so he would go to you know a remote places in south south america or africa where they didn't have really good water so he would take his his uh, water purification drops with him and so when he happened upon it he, there were some some fellows that were dying of malaria there and he kind of figured well geez you know if this is going to kill pathogens in the water it should probably kill the pathogen and there's malaria he gave them some of that, and like four hours later, they were still alive. All their people were dropping dead from it, and they started sharing it all around. And then he thought, "Gosh, I'm really onto something here, as far as you know, like a healer for humanity." And he said, "If I name it something stupid, they won't take it seriously. They'll think it's just snake oil." And then of course, now he's kind of like, "Geez, I wish I kind of maybe didn't do that." But at the same time, you need to stay. Out there doing it, and of course, it, it, it's better to fly under the radar. Sometimes, as you can see, I've flown above the radar, so now <laughs> things have changed a little bit. But that's still okay. That's what. Uh, that well,
2: means. you know, I used to say, Haldar Clark said, if people remember Holda Clark, yes, um, she used to say that disease was caused by. Um, uh, Pollution and and parasites and I, she knew a lot about parasites because she had worked in Washington D C. And speaking of parasites, we know that MMS helps with that. But tell us about the flack you're getting on the internet.
4: Um, well, it, it's kind of interesting because I was always under the impression, and I've been in biomed for the last eight and a half years, and I always really assumed that we were looking for a cure, and that if in fact you found something that was curing, you know, forty some children no, in less than a couple of years, then maybe this would be something that the the community at large would like to take a look at. And, um, you know, of course, there's, there's a lot of families that are very excited about it and they embrace it and their children are recovering and this is fabulous or, or whatever you call zero to ten on the ATEC. And so that's really exciting. But at the same time, there's also a large group of people that are like, oh, it's bleach and, you know, all kinds of, the, the science is, 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 is incorrect of what they're saying. And, of course, that's, that's sort of an odd thing to me because, you know, biomed, we've done IV chelation and we do all kinds of, you know, out-of-the-box kind of stuff. If, in fact, it were bleach, or if, in fact, it were God knows what. I mean, I know people that are talking about doing chemotherapy for their kids with autism. You know, there's a lot of people that are just really out there to do other sorts of things. So, I mean, that's scary to me, but everyone has their own opinion of what scary is. So... Um, I think when there's recovery, and you look at somebody's CBC, or you look at somebody's uh, liver enzymes, or you look at somebody's overall general health on the on the labs when they are now ATEC zero to ten, and they've taken MMS for you know months to a year or so, and they're perfect, their labs are perfect. Well, it can't be damaging at that point, you know. So I don't even understand why everybody isn't just running over but slowly but surely there are people that do contact me there are the biomedical doctors i have some that have contacted me and they're very interested and of course you know i'm doing the best i can to to sort of document so people can kind of see what's happening and and of course you know you mentioned about the parasites and hold clark uh, Holda Clark, Dr. Simon, you, Dr. Klinghard, Dr. Schwartz. There's a lot of people, not a lot. There are a handful of people out there that are really into the parasites, and we started finding parasites coming out of our kids because MMS does damage to the parasite. So all of a sudden, we're starting to see worms coming out, and it's very hard to get the worms to be identified, even by the best labs in the United States. People are actually sending their worms in, and they're coming back with it with it, with a you know negative for worm. And that to me, that's amazing.
2: Well, I'm glad I talked to Betsy about breakfast first, <laughs> before we had a chance to talk. Okay. And, and a, a comment that you made um, earlier about things getting used to other things, like when you use an antifungal, mm-hmm. with antibiotics, too, there's something called pleomorphism, and you use some antibiotics for, say, you had a urinary tract infection and you used the antibiotics. Well, those pathogens would morph Then they go back in to do a test, and they might not recognize those pathogens anymore and think you were clear because the pathogens had morphed. But you're saying that that doesn't happen with MMS.
4: It doesn't, because it's just an oxidizer. It, it just keeps on going and doing what it does and You know, we go from the positive looking for the negative, and then it destroys it. it it's pretty simple science. I mean, it, obviously, it, it seems like it's really complicated, but it's going back to basics. And I'll tell you something, Terry. I always enjoyed the cliff notes, you know, from, from high school and college. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, leave it to me like I'm kind of a slacker, you know, to figure this to find and go, like, geez, there is that stuff. You know, and of course, I think that it's divine intervention, of course, but um, still It's one of those things, like, it's so simple you go, God, this is simple and easy. And you know, one of the things that got me, a friend of mine was telling me that in the United States right now, there's a murder-suicide every week in the autism community. And we know that 90% of our families end up in divorce. And of course, when you take half of not a lot of income, it's very hard to live on. And some of our children are more severe and they have fecal smearing and they have don't sleep at night. And a lot of that kind of stuff happens because biomedical interventions in general are pretty expensive. Obviously, the diet is not expensive and we can all really do the diet. But at the same time, when we start talking about that, it Gets to be very costly, and I thought to myself, you know, if in fact there's a way that we can, you know, raise money or or have people donate to families that can't afford any kind of biomedical intervention, not even twelve dollars a month or ten dollars a month or whatever that would cost, that we could actually help families that their children, you know, we you can't recover every child. It's you know it's God's will that the child will become recovered or not. And we're just going to put everything as Dr. Simon uses an accidental cure. You put everything out there and you hope for the best, and you know we, we try to stay on track. But at the same time, if we can stop having the need for parents to feel that kind of, um, you know, when you just don't feel that there's any hope, I think at this point we are giving hope, and we're giving hope that everybody can afford.
2: So you're saying that this is safe, this can be used safely, this can be used extremely inexpensively, and this can be very effective. Yes. So why are you getting flack on the internet and in the mainstream press.
4: Um, so it, it, uh, when, I, when I start to look at that and then of course you know other families will go oh I know this guy and I know this gal and stuff like that and some people are just people that are out there that you know maybe they carry their own guilt because they're not doing something for their child or maybe they want a little fame because they're selling something and so they want you know if their name goes out there while people are still reading these hot blogs it's quite possible that they're interested in their own fame and fortune and a lot of people have gotten rich off of a lot of biomedical interventions. And this is one that is just I don't make money on it. No one gets rich off of it. There's people that are selling uh MMS throughout the world. I don't sell it. So I, I don't I don't know um you know how much they make off of it, but at the same time I would say that, you know, that that that's the least of it. But there's a lot of people that are selling all kind well, you know, the biomedical interventions, how expensive most of them are. So People are benefiting, and I think it has something to do with that, I really do. And, of course, you know, there's the, what do they say, the the truth enters into three phases. At first, you're ridiculed, and then, of course, everybody becomes very angry, and, and then it enters into the third phase of acceptance. So hopefully, pretty soon, it will just be kind of like one of those other things like, you know, like you know how IV chelation about six or seven years ago was kind of like just sort of accepted, and maybe about eight years ago it was kind of like oh my gosh it's chemotherapy, you know what I mean? So there was just a lot of misconception about what it was, and then of course it just kind of entered in. It's just part of the biomedical interventions they do not, because MMS isn't going to cure everything or everybody. It's not possible to have a cure all for everybody, but it is definitely going to kill off pathogens and it will have a certain place i think if in fact we can get beyond this um you know all the well i think we're even kind of beyond it in a certain way because it has died down quite a bit
2: but then there are those and the mainstream press or internet who don't believe that any of these quote-unquote alternative treatments work for autism because they believe that autism is a genetic hardwired condition and the best you can do for it is maybe some behavioral therapy and go pop uh, a pill that you buy at a pharmacy what's your viewpoint on that well I I understand that certain
4: certain people like myself and I believe you and I share this with our children I had a perfectly neurotypical child until he was two years and one day old and then it was so obvious I brought my son back, and my husband said to me, what happened to Patrick? So it was that fast that my son went out. So, you know, you don't have neurotypical development, and then all of a sudden, one day at 24 months and one day old, something happens. It doesn't go like that. We don't just self-combust. So when you look at the regressive autism, which I experienced with my son as well as I'm sure you did, um, these kids... We need to get them back to when they were healthy. They've been unhealthy for a long period of time and of course we've spent a lot of time doing things that didn't really fix the the, the, the root of the problem and now we're getting to the root of the problem and obviously when we're seeing these parasites, like as Hulda Clark was saying all along, when we see these parasites coming out, we think, Wow this is a root problem, you know, because obviously in, in the parasites, um uh, environment, there's bacteria, there are uh, virus, there is yeast. So all this stuff is part of them as well. So I think Dr. Klinghart is the one that said that if you go from the largest para- pathogen to the smallest pathogen, then you don't ever have to really go for the smallest pathogen because the smallest pathogen is part of the largest pathogen's uh, environment.
2: You said we have pathogens pooping in us.
4: The parasites are, are they, you know, they're actual worms. They're like the Ascaris lumbricoides and the tenia, and they have their own, you know, they eat and they, they, they have, they defecate, and that's in our bloodstream. So that, you know, alters a lot about us.
2: Ugh, okay. How does MMS address heavy metals? It actually destroys
4: the bond, so when you have ethyl-mercury and methyl-mercury, it will break the bond between the ethyl and the mercury, or the methyl and the mercury, and then it doesn't have a way to stick around, and it goes out of the
3: body. Wow.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
4: It's pretty rad, man. It's so easy, Terry. This is like the Cliff Notes version of autism
2: recovery, or
4: whatever that zero to ten is. Sorry.
2: You mentioned Patrick and you mentioned that he had a reg- regression at 2 years and 1 day old. Tell yes. us about how the MMS has helped Patrick and then how it's helped other children.
4: Well, my boy was like the classic non-responder as they call them. Um, you know, we would, you know, do the diet and all oh, a little bit better and we did hyperbarics and a little bit better. So, we and we did a lot of other stuff that I didn't see anything like, you know, chelation we did and he I didn't see anything. But so little by little I was, you know, he was Better, but you know, not really a lot better. And then um, I was pretty bummed out just to think that you know this was it, and you know all these supplements and all this diet, and you know that was kind of it. We weren't really advancing, as you know, a lot of us stagnate at a certain point because we're you know just you know we're just feeding all the, the 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 deficiencies in the body instead of actually looking at why are we deficient? You know, because for instance we're deficient in, in B12 because the parasite loves B12. Why are most of our kids anemic? Because the parasite loves eating the iron out of the body. So these are all things that when we get to that we go, Wow well, well, gosh, if we're just gonna be feeding the deficiency, we're really feeding the parasite. Well anyway, this is, you know, kind of hindsight, right? And so anyway, that's um, my son, when I finally got into the MMS and I found a couple years ago, came to me, I asked for for some divine intervention. I started to remember the MMS and my husband said, so well, I'll start it first and, you know, see how that goes and everything goes well. We'll start it with Patrick. So everything went well with my husband and we started with Patrick and after one week, he went from saying, you know, pretty simple stuff, you know, like the things he desired, like I want chicken or I want car, things that he really, really liked, to saying things that were the mundane, like I want to go to bed, I want to take a shower. I want to brush my teeth. And looking at me, engaging with me, smiling at me, wanting to play with me, pulling me to play with him. These are all things he didn't do. So now I have this person. Obviously, my son still has autism. He's going to be 12 in a few weeks. Um, I didn't come into this MMS until he was already 10. But he has improved so much. And like you were saying earlier, we are seeing teenagers having their their ATEC scores dropping. There's one boy, I think he's 13 or 14, and his ATEC has dropped from a 40 to a 20. So you see, I mean, you know, when when typically you talk to biomedical doctors, they're going to tell you, oh, you know, between, you know, two and seven, we're seeing recoveries, and then after that it starts to drop off. But I don't see that with this. And for me, with Patrick, I have not seen it, and he continues to do better all the time. He's not recovered yet, but we're going the right direction.
2: Okay, and you have a hyperbaric clinic and I just want to stress that, you know, even if a particular parent has a child who's considered a non-responder, what doesn't work for one child might have worked for another child.
4: Absolutely.
2: Right, and so we will always advocate for other parents who have done their homework, (coughs) excuse me, to have the right to become educated and Avail their children of interventions that can be done safely with appropriate medical supervision and laboratory testing um, that are not price gouging um, and that have helped and have helped another child. So um, you've seen, you know, you obviously have a hyperbaric clinic. You've obviously seen hyperbaric oxygen help other children, but for um, parents who have kids who are uh, considered non responders or tough cookies, you know, this sounds. This sounds uh, really remarkable. I, I just calculated that at the rate that you said, it costs like $90 a year.
4: Right. And like That's I said, it. if, in fact, there's a family that can't even afford that, just to let us know, and we'll try and find somebody that will donate because there, there are people around that are, that are selling to people like myself, And I'd say, okay, if I buy three bottles, will you donate one bottle? Or how much would you charge me to donate and just send it to that person? Because I think that we, you know, as a community, we can help our, our own as well.
2: So tell us something about the protocol, different ways that MMS can be administered and what it means to activate a drop
4: well because mms is actually well chlorine dioxide is a molecule that is that is a silly name mms but it's really chlorine dioxide seriously known as something and chlorine dioxide is made by putting one drop of citric acid with one drop of clodium, clor, sodium chlorite and you put one drop of each together and you wait 20 seconds, it activates, and then you put water on top of it and you drink it. And so that is the, uh, the activation of it. And uh, last year when, I w- when we used to do one drop at a time and we would go up really, really low and really, really slow, so every day you would add one drop to your day, it was still too much for some of the smaller kids and even some of the older kids because they would, you know, have a lot of die-off with that. So what we started using um, last year was the baby bottle method because it's an 8-ounce and we do 8 doses a day. So we start off with an 8-ounce baby bottle full of water on day one. We activate one drop, and we put it in there. So we're only giving one ounce eight times a day, which is one-eighth of a drop. So everybody can really tolerate this. Even, you know, our moms, a lot of our moms think, well, you know, we weigh 150 pounds or however much we weigh, and we're like, oh, we can take a big bunch, but we can't. We have a lot of toxins in us that we've actually accumulated over our, you know, 40-whatever years or however old we are, and so that's, One of the reasons why we like to go low and slow with us and with our kids too, our kids are toxic. That's why they're not neurotypical. So we need to get them also low and slow. We don't need any drama. We don't need vomiting or diarrhea. We don't need any of that kind of stuff. And with the eighth of a drop at a time, we're able to monitor so much better the uh, the die-off and we're able to, to uh, manipulate it much better. And so the kids, like, let's say uh, by 4 o'clock in the afternoon after maybe five doses, you start to see that your child feels like having a nap. That's the body in a detox. It's the body, you know, repairing itself. So you don't give any more the rest of the day. And then the next day you start off at a dose that was lower than the day prior. And that's it. So we just kind of always stay underneath any kind of a detox reaction or Herxheimer's reaction.
2: Wonderful. And this, you have. There uh, are protocols for kids who have seizures, for kids who have candida yeast, um, and parasites. Is this safe to use with kids who have seizures?
4: Absolutely. I've noticed actually that the kids that have seizures, when they start taking MMS, their seizures usually. Uh, dissipate or there's less of them and that's kind of the beginning and then of course you can always add in things like GABA and magnesium and Picnogenil and MCT oil and some of the other, the other real helpers for, for controlling seizure without taking medication.
2: So are there any things not to take at the same time as MMS?
4: Well, I don't know of any because I know that even people that are on chemotherapy take MMS and they just have a better, they just feel better.
2: Okay, great. All right. So, Carrie, how do people get in touch with you? What's your website or what's your email address or your preferred way for people to get in touch with you if anyone has questions?
4: If anyone has questions, they can send it to my email, which is carririvera at yahoo.com. Um, the websites, we have one in English and one in Spanish. One in English is mmsautism.com, and the one in Spanish is autism 2com
2: Okay, very good. What closing remarks would you like to
4: leave parents with today? I think that it would be really important for people to do, if they're even interested or if this even resonates with them, something easier, something quicker, something that doesn't harm the body, to really do investigation and don't just read what people are posting, oh the FDA says this or, you know, Miss this says that or Mr. this says that. Really go ahead and get into the science and learn about, not in Wikipedia, really learn about the science of what is the chlorine dioxide molecule. It's been around since 1800s. We know about it since 1800s. So, you know, how is it? can this really work for us? A friend of mine, he's a scientist and probably the foremost scientist on chlorine dioxide molecule today. His name is Andreas Kalker, K-A-L-C-K-E-R. And he has several, many actual um, uh, conferences that have been taped that are on YouTube. So if you put in YouTube Andreas Kalker um, and MMS or something like that, he has videos in English and videos in Spanish, and he explains all about oxidation. He explains all about the difference between oxidation and oxidative stress because they're very different things. Um, and I think that that's really important to understand what it is and what it isn't, because what they, you know, what, what they put out is not necessarily always the truth.
2: Right, definitely. Well, on the Autism One website, www.autismone.org, oral letters, uh, there is an interview of, with Carrie and Talia. Uh, it's a video interview and we'll be posting Carrie Rivera's, uh, presentation that she gave at Autism One. We'll be posting that soon, the video. And her handout is on the Autism One website as well and you can look for Carrie, uh, next spring at the Health Freedom Expo in Long Beach, California. Carrie, thank you so much for being with us here today.
4: Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you, Terry, always.
2: Thank you for giving families this hope and helping children all of your steadfast work. I'm so grateful that we're able to share this. I really am. It's
4: very exciting.
2: And we also want to thank our sponsors, OxyHealth and Superberries. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
0: Thank you for listening to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, A Conversation of Hope with Terry Aranga.